Hey, what's up? This is MP Radio. Always make progress, and we are your hosts, Shankar Bhattacharjee, Fractal Biomechanics on Instagram, and and I am Sean Astorga. This is the official podcast of AMP's mentorship program for rehab clinicians and fitness professionals, where we help you differentiate yourself by getting your clients more long-lasting results. All right. So Jenna, thank you for joining me on AMP Radio. Would you mind starting us off by introducing yourself to our guests? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I know I've never spoken um, actually face-to-face rather than just just always in the DMs, but I've followed you for quite a long time now. You already know I'm such a huge fan. So I'm very, very happy to be here. Um, so my name is Jenna Natowski Lou. I am a chiropractor by trade. I also work as a clinical running and lifting coach, and then also a clinical mentor as well. Um, and my business is, um, I'm the co-founder of Lotus Spine and Strength with my husband, who also is my business partner. I feel like that's a good topic we can get into as well, is working with, uh, <laughs> with a spouse, because me and my wife just recently started a a business together and has definitely been uh is it there is different than working with my my other you know business partner in some ways so definitely um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I think that there is tremendous uh value that comes from hearing other people's backgrounds so if it's all right uh, to start there how did you get into uh the world of chiropractic what made you want to become a chiropractor so when I was in high school so I was always a runner from the time I was 10 years old Um, And I had developed plantar fasciitis in both of my feet. And so that led me to getting into the, all of the fun parts of healthcare um, here. So I had seen multiple different providers of multiple different professions and um, really didn't receive enough relief or enough guidance to really ever get back to where I was, unfortunately, until much later down the road. Um, But the reason that I ended up choosing chiropractic um, was because one of the clinicians that I saw during that time, um, he did help me find relief and he did, he did help me, you know, get back to running in a sense. Um, But he really, he really challenged me um, and made me look at the bigger picture of life and training and, and of the sport where he asked, you know, like, what's on the other side of this? Like, if we figure this out, you know, what is it that you're going to do? Are you going to run in college? Are you going to be a running coach? Like, are you going to run marathons? Like, what is it actually that you want to do? And after having been through kind of the ringer um, while looking for help in that injury, that like actually brought me to tears um, that someone even cared that there's, you know, something important to me in my future. Um, And so that was one of the reasons was he was a chiropractor by trade, but then I still was in the air about, you know, whether I was going to go physical therapy or whether I was going to go chiropractic. And it basically came down to um, scope of practice at the time in Pennsylvania. So not really, I'm not really diehard one way or the other. And you can, that's very reflective in the way that I practice as well. Um, And that's really just kind of what it came down to at the time. And so that's how I ended up here as, as a chiropractor now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you found that person. I have actually a similar, similar story as to why I got into physical therapy. Um, and it was, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of similar stuff, but when I played playing basketball, I had a knee injury that just wouldn't get better. And I went to a bunch of PTs and they kind of had you do the typical stuff. 
And then I had like three visits left on my insurance that they would cover at the time when I was in college. So I had like no money or anything. And I, I just happened to get preferred to this person, Janice Mora, who's a PT. And she like completely changed my perspective on everything. And then I changed careers and everything because of it. So it's always good to have those, uh, those, uh, those people that you come across in your life. What are, um, yeah, what are some of the things that they, the, the professionals that you, uh, I guess that weren't able to help you, what are some things that they kind of focused on or that they could have maybe done a little bit differently? Yeah. So things that they, they were saying to me was that it, it was very weird and unusual that I had plantar fasciitis as a teenager. Um, and they said, you know, usually this is something that only older individuals have. This is typically something that's, that sticks around for life. Um, and, um, kind of made me feel really, really like so broken in the sense that like, if I was going to, you know, run with my team that next season, that there was going to be damage and it was probably going to be there for the rest of my life. Um, and there was never, there was never hope for a better future. It was always kind of like, you have this, you know, you're either going to have to stop running or you're just going to keep making it worse. And, um, I knew that to not be true. Like I knew like deep down that that wasn't the way that things were, but I had so many professionals with so much experience, um, on paper telling me that the opposite was true. Um, so that was definitely something, um, another thing that I unfortunately went through during this time was my pediatrician actually sent me to the hospital for a ton of testing, like blood work, um, MRIs, EKGs, um, any type of test, you name it, um, I had done. And it made me feel like there was something so seriously wrong with me. Um, when at the end of the day, I just had no one help me literally figure out how to run, um, like a gradual exposure back to running. It was literally all I needed. Um, and unfortunately under, understand that. I mean, fortunately understand that now, but unfortunately at the time it felt like it felt like there was really no way um, that I was ever going to get back there. And something that's so interesting in terms of my story is that um, I have the most amazing parents in the world. And my father would take me anywhere and see anyone that was going to help me. Um, and we actually found a running store where they were the most impactful people that I that I had come across. And they just fit me in a shoe that was going to help me. Um, and I literally still wear that shoe to this day. Um, but it's just interesting kind of, you know, who's who's able to make an impact. Um, and, and a lot of times it's not it's not in the manner that you would expect, I guess. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, yeah, that, that's very true. And thanks. Thanks again for sharing that, because I know that's uh, it's tough going through that. And especially as uh, you were in high school at the time. Right. So no real background. I shouldn't say no. I don't know if it's true or not, but no background. Right. I'm assuming in like what you do now and the chiropractic right. and pain and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so it gets very, very uh, spirals out of control very, very quickly. And then your perception is not coming from the medical field. It's coming from I'm like a, I'm like a high school. I'm in high school and I just trying to run, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it can like yeah. get out of control very, very, uh, very quickly. Um, how, how did that experience, I guess, impact um, how you view your role now as a chiropractor or like working p- with people who might be in a similar situation? Um, one of, one of the, I guess one of my North stars in, in what I do on a daily is to help people find more freedom in their life. And for patients that I work with, that's typically physical freedom, maybe even mental freedom. If they've been told, you know, reasons that they can't do something that, 
that are untrue, um, but mainly physical freedom. And then with the clinicians that I work with, kind of clinical freedom and freedom of their time and their future as well. Um, but that's definitely my North Star because I definitely did not feel like free in my body at that time. And had I just been exposed to different people saying different words and using different treatment methods, there wouldn't have been all of those years where I didn't run just because, just because of the words that I, that I was told, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. The, uh, the North star and freedom, like if your if your body or freedom, whatever it, whatever it might be, um, whether you're a clinician or, or patient, um, cause that's such a, um, those are your guiding principles, right? Like it's the thing you always come back to. It's like, well, what am I missing here? It's like, well, <laughs> here's, we just follow the, follow the North star. Yeah, um, how do you, yeah. How do you um, typically work with clients in your clinical practice? So right now um, we do work fully virtually. So we mainly work with exercise prescription, exercise rehab, um, and of course, education as well. Um, and kind of funny story to how I got here. Um, so we, my husband and I originally lived in Toronto. We're now based in Pennsylvania, um, but we did open a brick and mortar clinic in Toronto. Um, so we got the keys to that clinic in March of 2020. And if you remember March of 2020, the world turned upside down. And during that time, of course, we were not able to see people in person. Um, the restrictions were, um, in place at that time. And we had, we had to make it work. So we started seeing our patients virtually and we used exercise and education at the time. And, they were enjoying it. We were, you know, figuring out the logistics and all of that and, and trying to make, make the back end of everything work well. And then what happened when we actually came back to in-person, when we were allowed to see them, they wanted to continue care in that way. They wanted to continue receiving the very, very heavy exercise, like as their treatment method. Um, so what we did when we were in Toronto is we kind of meshed what you would expect in virtual care with what you would expect in traditional care where they would receive traditional care, but they would also come in um, to our gym portion of the clinic and they would do their rehab. And for a lot of people that was, you know, with the barbell, because we worked with a lot of barbell athletes um, and it was really, really fun. Um, but fast forward to now, we actually decided we wanted to live in Pennsylvania. Um, and so we continue our virtual work here. Um, but just to give you some background, like I, I never expected to work virtually. It's never something that I thought was even possible or an option. Um, but we got really, really lucky with the type of patients that we had in Toronto. And they they really gave us so much feedback and how to make it so impactful for them and told us how much it changed their life. And we've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. What uh, what is some of the, do you mind sharing some of the feedback about how it's been impactful for them? So yeah, so this was back in 2020 and things that they were feeling and experiencing was with that attention to detail in their training, um, they were able to, you know, slowly and gradually get back to the actual things that they wanted to be doing. So the transition between them starting care um, and getting back to, you know, their barbell work, it was pretty seamless. Um, it very, very easily became it, what was rehab very, very easily became their training, um, without there even being a transition. And that was something that they got so excited about. They loved and they stuck around after, you know, after their quote unquote rehab was done to continue training. And we got to use the clinic as kind of a place where, you know, we were more so like celebrating 
their success and people were going for like one rep maxes and just fun, really, really fun stuff like that. Um, so it was, I think what they liked so much about it was that they felt so in control and they saw so easily, you know, how it was that they were going to get back to what they were doing before. Yeah, that's awesome. And it kind of goes back to what you said with your North star. It's like, it's freedom in your, your body, freedom in how you move. And then giving someone like ownership over their situation. It's just such a different dynamic than being in person where you're like going to a medical professional and you're going to do certain things. But like now you have this situation that you can kind of, um, you see the things that you're doing are actually like the actions that you're taking are taking you closer and closer to your, to your end goal. Um, so that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, we actually are, um, brick and mortar location started February, 2020. So it's similar, <laughs> similar, similar situation. I always joke. We're like, we were open and closed in the same, the same month because the gym closed down, you know, and then we didn't yeah. formally open up again. So probably February, the next year of 2021. And then now we're, we're kind of, you know, in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, uh, yeah, wild, right? If you figure, if you can figure that out, I mean, I think you're going to be all right. You know, <laughs> at least that's what yeah. I tell myself. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same. <laughs> do you, uh, do you guys ever see yourself, uh, opening in person again or sticking with the Probably, online? Um, I think we do. Um, but the thing about it is we definitely will continue the virtual side of things. And when we do return to, in-person in person care and have our own practice here, it will look very similarly to the way that we ran things in Toronto, where, you know, we see people one-on-one um, -on -one for assessments, for evals and things like that. Um, and then the rest is either you can do it with us in the clinic where you can kind of get your training done there, or you can do it on your own. So, so more of a, more of an asynchronous manner for the day-to-day -day treatment, if you will, um, and then have that face-to-face, -face, you know, when it's needed for, for some of those bigger interactions. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We've actually, we've been considering, um, not strongly considering, but like considering, uh, adding like a digital component to what we do. Um, cause I think about like, like physical therapy, right. For example, right. It's, it's very much like a front end, a front end offer. You get people into your, into the clinic, you help them and then they kind of go on their way, but keeping them in their, in the ecosystem and doing things that are helping support them like long-term in their, in their journey, I think is such a powerful way that we can impact people. Um, and that's something we've been strongly considering. So I'd be curious, well, we're going to get to your, your clinical mentorship, um, like how you guys go about doing that, because that's something that we've definitely been, been looking into for that, that exact same reason. Mm -hmm. um, but before we get there, I do want to touch on um, uh, social media a little bit because I am personally a very big fan of uh, the messaging that you put out to clinicians, um, patients too. But I mean, the, clin the clinical stuff is what, where my mm -hmm. head always goes because that's who I kind of target as well on um, on with the content that we put out. Um, can you just tell me maybe a little bit about like uh, the story behind your approach to social media? Yeah, for sure. So. Um, I feel a lot of responsibility for the content and the, I guess you could even say the, the quote unquote vibe that I put out on social media. Um, and reason for that being that when I was a student and new grad, and still to this day, um, I use it as a way to learn, as a way to get education, get exposed to new ideas and things like that. Um, but when I was a little bit earlier in my career and as a student, I I thought that I thought that social media making you feel terrible was normal. Um, so, you know, there's there's people who use it in a way where um, 
they're more so, you know, rather than presenting problem and presenting solution, it more mainly stays in the problem. And it just kind of makes you feel like, you know, well, then what's the point of all of this? You know, why are we even here? Why are we even trying? Why should I even go to the library and study right now? Um, and they take like a more a more nihilistic um, view of our professions and, and put that on social media. And, and now, fortunately, I realize that we curate our own social media feeds and we can decide what we want to consume and what we don't want to consume. Um, so mainly now I curate my feed to to be full of clinicians and students and people of other professions who, if they're presenting a problem, they're also presenting a solution. And if they're complaining, it's never more than they are pushing forward and finding a solution and moving the professions forward. Um, so I set myself to that standard for sure, where if there's something that I want to complain about, or there's something that's bothering me that I don't put it there kind of reactively and emotionally, but rather with intention and purpose so that, you know, not only for my, like, of course, for myself and that we're finding a solution and moving forward past it, but, but also for everyone that consumes my content, because I never want to make someone feel like the way that they're doing things is, is, you know, wrong without context. Um, I basically, in addition to rather than instead of is, is kind of what I want to bring. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and we kind of we talk about it the same way in our clinic with with patients, um, because a lot of people who reach out to us, for example, have gotten care, right? PT, chiropractic, whatever. And it's something that like you or I probably would be like, you know, roll your eyes out, you know, on the inside. But our goal is never to make a person feel bad for seeking help, right? Seeking guidance for the care that they're, they have pain. They don't know what they're doing. They're just going to a Definitely. professional for that. Right. So it's like I, I, the same thing here, um, with, with the, Definitely. uh, with the social media, um, do you have any tips on, um, how do I word this question? Uh, cause there's something that like, like I'm a, I'm a pretty sarcastic person. So sometimes I like the way it comes across, like in social media, <laughs> might be like that. I'm like, you know, just being a jerk. Um, but do you have any tips for, uh, I guess if you're putting content out there, staying kind of not, not reacting emotionally, I guess would be the, the way to put it. So you can kind of stay objective in like your, your process. So I definitely think that it is normal for us to react emotionally to some of the things that we see on socials, especially with people in our profession doing kind of silly or, you know, just things that are totally in left field. I do think it's normal to react emotionally, but but to have another space for that outlet rather than rather than using, uh, I guess, social media as that outlet. Um, but also, you know, just like when you're curating content, just like the golden rule, like treat other people how you want to be treated. If if you put out content of something that is a little misinformed or you know, maybe archaic in the way that you're thinking, you would want someone to reach out and say, hey, like I see exactly where you're coming from, but have you considered this? rather than, you know, screen recording what you said and then, and then blowing it up and, and making a fool of you. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, no, very true. Um, and then the other thing with a lot of social media, right, is there's no like context ever to anything. So it's like people see small snippets. This happens to me, you know, not, not so much, but like every once in a while, since I stopped taking like remote, remote clients, um, like they would reach out to me with a certain perception, like, oh, you're, you're like a, this type of person, you're this type of person. And I'm like, uh, not really. You just saw like 90 second clip of how I do one thing, you know? So it's right. like remembering that is something that's helpful for me is like people generally are, I don't think some people might be, but they're not putting information out there or content out there, you know, like to, 
to be a jerk. They think that what they're doing is right. And they have like good intentions. I like to think, you know, so I try to always remind myself that when I see stuff and I'm like, what, what am I watching right now? (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, like, even in the, the people that I've met and the friends that I have from chiropractic school, they're all really amazing people. And if that's the case for my experience, it has to be the case for all of these other schools and all these other professions as well. And, and I, I don't like to think that people are, are coming at it from a bad place as well. Um, I like to think that everyone has good intentions. Yeah, they're, they're all trying to move the, the field forward, but the way we all go about it might be a little different. <laughs> Um, Definitely. So you guys have you have a clinical mentorship as well. Do you mind um, talking about like your journey that led to starting the clinical mentorship and we can kind of go from there? Yeah. So being forced to work virtually was kind of the um, I guess kind of the starting point to us creating the mentorship, um, because while we were forced into it, um, it has offered us so many more opportunities to work with such a vast array of people in so many different ways. Um, And it allowed us to do, so Phil's Canadian, my husband, I'm American. So there was always going to be a a period of time where one of us was going to be immigrating. And while you're immigrating, you can't have the license in the country that you're immigrating to. So there was always going to be a period of time where um, we weren't going to be able to do hands-on work. Um, And so we were very, very lucky that we were forced to do it at the time that we did. Um, because we've, we've used it as a way to work with people when otherwise we would have had our kind of hands tied behind our backs. But in addition to that, when, when you are working virtually or hybrid and in an asynchronous manner, um, it kind of opens the doors to opportunities in the sense that let's say that you are in a clinic right now that you absolutely love you have the ability now to bring in a new form of care where um, you are able to reach more people and you are able to help more people because it doesn't necessarily depend on your time that you can be with them. Um, And then in addition to that, if if you see yourself, you know, doing something in the future on your own, but taking that massive jump to, I just quit my job and now I'm opening a brick and mortar, you can kind of have this transition where you can launch something with, with low overhead, um, if you know how to provide virtual care, um, and have that be, be the way that you end up having your own clinic, if that makes sense. So, um, we were forced into it. Um, and because of that, we, we had to figure it out and, and our backs were really against the wall, but now that we have figured it out, um, we really want to share it with as many people as possible so that they can kind of experience that same time freedom that, that we experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what can a clinician, I'm assuming it's clinicians is the, yes. so what can a clinician expect if they go through your, your clinical mentorship? So the way that we run the mentorship is exactly how we actually came to figuring out how to provide this care. Um, so we have a curriculum component where they go through video lectures, just as you would expect where we cover the logistics Um, the exercise principles, um, load management principles, all of that, along with case studies. And then the more unexpected component of the mentorship is that we actually coach you. So we actually put you inside of our virtual care program that is our patient-facing business. Um, So you can experience every single thing that they do, um, and you can kind of take the pieces of it that worked really well for you and then create your own product out of it um, your own form of care out of it. So the reason that we do that is because that's how we figured out how to do it 
we were coached um, through our injuries and we kind of combined all of the different things that we learned from a multitude of seminars and mentorships and things like that and really boiled them down to principles. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of how we got here. And so that's what we offer um, in the mentorship as well. Oh, that's awesome. How long is the, the mentorship program? So we run it for 12 weeks. Um, so we coach you for 12 weeks and that gives us just enough time for you to experience um, different programming results um, and really get the full picture of, of what our patients do experience. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's such a great way to, to go about it. So our, our mentorship program is um, kind of, is kind of similar. Um, we have a like pre-recorded modules that kind of lay out like the principle, all the stuff you just basically described, like kind of like how, you know, like, uh, like our, we, we approach clinical practice at, at AMP. Um, and then we have like the group calls we have set up to kind of walk people through all the stuff and like coach them through the stuff. And then we do have like the, like I program for people, the training stuff. That's one area of opportunity that I see for, for the mentorship program is actually, um, making it more like interactive, like you're describing, like more like, this is exactly what like a client kind of experiences. Um, but to be determined on that. So it's cool to hear, hear that's what you're yeah. doing. Cause for a lot of people, right. What, what is, I mean, let me ask you this first before I, I, I just give you the answer that I, I'm assuming what, what is like some of the feedback that you get from people who have gone through your clinical mentorship? Um, some of the feedback is that, you know, they'll start it off, they'll start it off almost a little bit, um, out of curiosity, but also, um, still like, you know, this works for you, but I don't think it's going to work for me type of deal. Um, so, you know, they, they see us doing virtual care, but they don't think that it's possible for them. Um, and then at the end of the mentorship, they're like, oh yeah, like I, I got this down. Like I, if I want to do that, I got it. Like I'm good. Um, but then the other more super unexpected, um, feedback that we get as well is that, you know, you're, you're coaching clinicians. So you expect, um, that they have experienced something like this before. Um, but as clinicians, we don't often put ourselves first. Um, so it's kind of cool to put them in that position where they are the patient and they are, you know, the most important one in the interaction. And so the results that they get are things that they've never expected as well in terms of their um, physical goals as well. Um, and any aches and pains that they, they need to overcome in that time. Um, it's just really, really fun. Um, because like I said, as clinicians, we kind of think like, oh yeah, I have this pain, but like, whatever, like, you know, I, I'm fine. And, and then when you actually attack it with them, um, they realize, oh, like it, it actually can be this good. Are you saying we're not as clinicians, we're not good, we're not good patients? What? <laughs> very, a little very bit. A little bit. <laughs> I'm always like, ah, it's not bad enough yet. You know, I'll go run 10 miles. It'll be all right. You know, exactly. I'll worry about it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we'll survive. That's our mindset. <laughs> uh, what is some of the um when someone tells you like, yes, this works for you, but it, it won't work for me? What are some of like the I guess commonalities that you kind of see there? Like, why does somebody have that belief? Um, especially coming from the chiropractic field, we learn very minimal about using exercise as a treatment method. And so we rely very heavily on our hands because that's what we experience in student clinic. Like when we're working with our first, however many patients, we're doing it all with our hands. Um, so when you hear something like, oh, now I'm going to be working in a way where there's no, there's no hands. Like, first of all, how do I treat in that way? But then, you know, navigating the logistics of working in that way is completely new too. Um, so it's, it's more of like, I need an example and I need to know how this works, um, before thinking that, you know, I can do it, which is totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. We, we call it, uh, 
sometimes we need people like to show us what's possible, you know, and then it's just like, that gets you over, over the, over the, the next hump. Um, and exactly. one of the, yeah, it's, it's super useful. I mean, we do it with like our, our business mentorship, like all that kind of stuff is just seeing what other people are doing. Oh, that's what that looks like. Oh, I can do that. You know? Um, but we have someone who helps me, uh, run, run the mentorship. Um, he's the person who's going to edit this podcast. Um, but he, he learned everything virtual. Like he just learned during the pandemic, like all the stuff we talk about, that's how he became friends and how he started working with me. So even just seeing how he's like taking the same information that like I have, for example, and how he coaches things virtually, like it's even a learning experience for me because I never do anything virtually. So it's like, oh, okay. I can see like how this works for, for him. And I can learn like even, um, you know, just pick up like little tidbits here and there from, from what, what he does. So, um, definitely very, very useful. We get similar, um, feedback with, with our, people who go through our mentorship program as well. It's like kind of experiencing like, oh, like I'll stick with like the breathing stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I, I've taken all these courses on the breathing stuff before. And then it's like, we put them through the exercises and it's like, oh, that's what that's supposed to feel like. Oh, okay. This is why it wasn't doing what I thought it was it was supposed to do. Um, so tremendous value in that. Yes. Yes. And I think that, I think that the similarity that um, we have with both of the mentorships that we run is that you have time to experience these things. Whereas like traditionally you're, you're in a weekend seminar and, and you have a few hours with whoever's leading that seminar to figure these things out and, and you're going to leave and, and a lot of it's just going to kind of go right out the window. So um, having that time for questions and thinking and, and even just, you know, processing, I think is so, so valuable at actually getting the results too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. It's like time and like the, the guidance right over time, it lets you be consistent with something for, for a period. Um, but the tough thing about continuing education, like a weekend cert, it gets like a lot of, like, I think it's the model versus like, you know, it's just two days, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to learn something very superficially, a small bit of information from like a much larger picture. You're going to try to implement it on Monday. And then what happens by Tuesday, you're like just doing what you normally did, right? So with this kind of like model where you have time on your side, you have an opportunity to like kind of learn something a little bit deeper and, and go a little further. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Jenna, what are some things that you are are working on currently? So things that we are currently working on, um, one of those is, is not business related. Um, I mean, it is business related, but, um, and clinical related, but I'm working on my first marathon. Um, so that is time consuming, but, but I find necessary. It's definitely something that, that I want to do. Um, so that is coming in November, literally just, just started that training block. So we'll see yeah, and congratulations on the marathon as well. That's uh, a <laughs> what 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 uh, distance do you typically race? Um, so ever since I got actually back to running, um, so I was five k's, um, with a half here and there, and now what we are do what I'm doing is distance, so ten miles, um, half marathons and things like that. Um, I've never exceeded, I think fourteen or fifteen miles in a long run. Um, so a lot of opportunity for growth and really, really testing the feet, um, and seeing how, seeing how they hold up too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I always, uh, like wanted, like one of my goals run, run a marathon. And then like, anytime I ever finish a half marathon, I'm like, literally that would be like, just like turning around and like going back. I'm like, nah, maybe next time. But now like I'm, I'm back in, exactly. like I've got the itch since I can run again. So I'm like, <laughs> 
Exactly. Yeah. It's daunting, but exciting, exciting, like everything else. Yeah, it's great. It's a challenge, right? So it's like you see what you're capable of and then you overcome it and then it'll be awesome. Um, yes. <laughs> do, do you work with a, with a running coach by any chance or? I don't know. I okay. don't right now. Um, no, not at this time. Yeah. I'm, I've been considering. That's why I asked. Um, Cause I'm like, I take care of someone else does all my strength and conditioning. Um, but I do my running programming and I'm like, I'd be curious if I'm like holding myself back. Cause there's a great chance that I am like, <laughs> but if someone else writes it for me, I'm like, I'll just do what they tell me and then, you know, figure it out from there. So. Yes. Yes. No, I totally, I totally hear you there. Um, I mean, I think for the first one, I'm going to, I'm going to go at it alone, but I think for probably my second, third marathons, I'll uh, make the jump and hire someone. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know if I do, or if you have any recommendations, <laughs> let me know. Cause I'm very curious as well. We have someone, uh, one of my, my business partner, actually one of her good, her good friends. Um, she, is a running coach and she works for like she just she's just like an insane runner like she showed up to like the 5k we just ran in like a usa like track and field outfit i'm like oh this is like this is serious so i was like i think i'm gonna just ask her you know but <laughs> like she's that's fast she could probably help me. yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's no joke kind of stuff um jenna that is all i really had on uh my my general list of um topics here uh, what is the best way that someone can reach out to you, whether it's for uh, guidance, navigating like pain or injury or for your clinical mentorship or just in, in general? Yeah, so you can, I, you'll find the most recent um, content and where I am the most on Instagram. Um, you can just type in my name, Jenna Natowski Lou or Dr. J. Um, Natowski, and you can find me there, or you can find me at lotuspine.com as well. Um, and that's where we have all of the information about the way that we work and the options that we have. Um, and yeah, those are pretty much the, the main two places. Awesome. Jenna, thank you. Thank you. Stop.